0: Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Because Vince, I was just yeah. building you up. We had a nice combo before a grand entrance, and then you know, technology. It just it, we're good. I see you. You're moving. We're, we're all set. How are you? Yeah. Good. Am I on now? Well, you're live. You are you are live with the people. A lot of people are already waiting. We got got a bunch of viewers on. They got questions. We're we're gonna cover a lot. And I know you got about an hour, so I do want to uh, hit a lot of topics. Tell me, Vince, how are you? First of all,
1: I'm good. My computer's not that good. It's a weird thing. It goes
0: for half full
1: and then it immediately shuts off, right? Uh, So I knew that. It's it's okay. I've had it about three years, right? It's a laptop. I knew that. And then all of a sudden, I said, I'm going to put, if I put the charger in, it doesn't go to half full. It'll stay. So I put the charger in. Everything's fine. And then it disconnects on me, the, the wire, right? Long, boring story. So then I put it back in and it shuts off in the middle again. I look down. I put in the wrong wire. How
0: about that? Wow, you know, that's listen. It's, honestly, that's a, it's a, in poker in life. There's variants, right? Sliding doors, one little thing. You min raise. You click a button. You go all in by accident. You move your like stuff happens. It's, there's no guarantees in life. I like to say nothing, zero or a hundred. So yeah. look at this. It's all good. We got you here now, Vince uh all set we're ready to rock we got a 109 giveaway from party poker today world poker tour phase ticket um so please guys get on twitter retweet ask your questions for vince we will spend some time at the end and first off though Vince, we got a lot to cover man tell us a little bit about who you are if you know poker you know you. You know World Poker Tour. You can't say World Poker Tour without Vince Van Patten and Mike Sexton. Rest in peace to Mike. I want to spend some time. I know you guys were super close, and you've known him for, you know, 17, 18 years at least just on the, the show. So we want, we'll set some time to cover that. But those who may not know you somehow, give us a little bit of background on yourself, and and, and I, could, I, could, I could build you up, but I want you to tell me from uh, from start. Give me, give me a rundown of a little background. A nutshell
1: for the poker players who like to play the next game, who like to move on, play fast. I was an actor, I was a kid actor. I did old shows. Then I became a professional tennis player when I was 18. I was never a good junior player. I was lousy, got beat up by everybody. Somehow God made it happen for me, I believe that, because I got pushed around so much that all of a sudden I turned into the top 25 player in the world. And I was the ATP Rookie of the Year in 1979. I went on to play 10 years in the top 50 in the world, top 25. So I had a great life in tennis, okay? That was one of my lives. Went back into acting in Los Angeles, kind of was washed up, couldn't really get arrested. Wrote some films, wrote some projects, um, and uh, got married, have three kids. In the 90s, played a lot of poker, had a home game in Los Angeles that became one of the biggest cash games in the world. And I started that game. I didn't take a rake, I just played. I always just liked to gamble. So I'm really a cash game player. I've been playing since the early 70s when I was a kid, 12 years old. My father taught me how to play poker. I would go to Gardena, California, where there's a poker house, and you have to deal yourself, five-card draw and all that. When I was like 15, I'd put a fake beard and mustache on, and I would literally drive when I was 15 and a half down to Gardena, play, take the beard and mustache off. you have to be 21. So that was the beginning of my poker, and then the poker game got very big, and and for the last 20 years – uh, I've been playing poker the last 10 years. I have not, but I made a film called Seven Days to Vegas about those experiences that I had in the 90s when the game got very big. And then, of course, is the World Poker Tour. I was very blessed to move on to something I love. I love poker. And Mike and I did the World Poker Tour. We started that out, and it became a big thing. And uh, here I am today. I'm just uh, hanging in there, having a good life, enjoying people. And uh, uh, I'm really happy that I'm a big part of, of the poker world. really am
0: that's amazing so I actually was uh, doing some research and my dad as well did some notes and questions I want to make sure I get his in because he's got some great questions for you but I did not realize you were that successful in tennis and also in acting I knew you did some did some stuff but you were really in it you were a childhood kind of actor your family I think your parents or your dad he was a background right he was a you know he was in some major films and such and, and tell me about what that was like to kind of come up in that world and and when was the uh, when you got the first kind of audition or or did you know you were gonna go into it or was it just sort of random how it how it started for you?
1: My father was a big a- actor on Broadway and stuff and in New York when I was nine years old his agent said, Oh, your kids could get commercials. Would they be interested in acting? So I looked at my father and said, Would I get out of school? And he says, Yeah, you will. I'm in. And so I started doing commercials and then we moved to Hollywood and I became working like a, as a kid actor all the time in many, many, many vehicles and two TV series. I was the bionic boy. I did Three for the Road. I did Apple's Way. So I never was out of work. I made good money as a kid uh, doing this. But then, like I said, when I was 18, I loved tennis. I was playing tennis along with that. And I loved tennis so much, I decided to give up the acting for a while and go on the professional tour. But my father was a great actor, did Eight is Enough, the star of that among the five Mel Brooks films, you know that he's in, and uh, he was just a, a great, great person and a great
0: example. You know, and and uh, and, and tell I guess you know it's so I think poker has so many metaphors for life like there's so many things with luck and you know you have played right so much in cash games from some, some tournaments you understand the variance and you know it can be one river card away you know two point five percent or whatever and and stuff happens right and it's sort of there is luck there is fate and also you create your own luck how would how does how would you say that plays in acting because it's got to be a huge role like knowing the right people right place right time one guy or the other you get a break a series does well you may be a great actor but the the, where you go the launch pad doesn't work right or the things will flop so how do you kind of uh factor that in and and would you say that that's fair with acting and poker and there's some similarities with that acting is very
1: subjective and you got to get on a hot streak and it is better to know a few people and if you're really talented you may get lucky and break through but then you have streaks after five ten years you do a series then they wash they wash you up i mean it's over they say oh he's typecast so it's it's a very tough profession to get into. That's why in the latter years when I couldn't really get work as an actor, I said I got to write my own projects and, and, and direct them and produce them, and that's what I've been doing because it's that tricky. I do love making movies. I do love being in front of the camera and behind it, so I, I pursue that. Um, poker, of course, we know poker, and everyone knows this. It used to be a lot easier, you know, back in the day in the 90s when I was playing in these good games. There was a lot of weak spots there. And so if you played and you knew you were playing four times a week in a cash game, even if I lost a big number on Monday and Tuesday, I knew I had it consistently for the next six months to a year. I had a rotisserie of 70 to 80 people that loved poker and were coming in and out. And I knew how each one played. And I would take great notes. And I was a money manager. I wouldn't tilt off on one night because I knew I had the game in six months from now. So it is a business, too. But it's a little different today. I'm sure you're doing it well, and tournament players do it well because they know there's this tournament and that, and if they're that good, they will beat that variance.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm more, I mean, I'm, I play some pretty, you know, good sized PLO games. I've actually, you know, I've also been involved in games. Same thing. Don't, don't take a rake of course. Uh, but you know, also some of my very good friends run some of the biggest games in the world. And actually I believe, I mean, so this, the game you're talking about is essentially what the movie Molly's game. I mean, is that like, a, was that like a later version of what that was in a way? And I mean, is that, is that fair or no? Or it's, it's,
1: seven days to Vegas, you can get it on Amazon now, but, uh, My game was before Molly's game. I had the game, and I brought it to Beverly Hills, and Molly actually came into my game and said, Hi, can I look around? This is right before she started her game. Can I get some of your And I said, Yeah, of course, of course, you know, because I liked it. You know, I do not care. I wanted to share players. It didn't matter. And so then she had her game, and I played her game for two or three years after that uh, a little bit. Then the games got so big, and after 2006, 2007, the games got so big that uh, that I, I just couldn't take the ups and downs. And I kind of faded out, especially when you have kids, and you got to get up at seven, or eight in the morning and take them to school. You know, you can't be playing to three or four in the morning after a big loss, and you're drinking, and you have, you know, it's it's a tough lifestyle. So I had to pull it all back. I,
0: you know, I so I have a two year old now, and I will say, with doing some games, playing some games, it is tough, right? To be up, you basically sometimes are up until they like get up, or you go home, and then it's like the day starts, or maybe taking it's it's a it's a wild deal, right? It is it is yes. not uh, it's it's very crazy, so. And, um, you know.
1: Losses are, in my opinion, losses are always four times worse than the win. So you could take a win, let's say it's 10,000. That's great. You're happy. But when you take that loss, it hurts four times for the same amount, it hurts four times more than that win that that win felt.
0: In my opinion. That's that's an interesting calibration. I think you're probably right. It's somewhere in there. It's definitely not. It's not dollar for dollar. The the losses are definitely more painful. And as you said, the games have kind of escalated to new new heights in L A, Miami, Vegas. Like there's crazy games, crazy tournament buy-ins. You see the hundred Ks, million dollar buy-ins. Like when you were back 2003 World Poker Tour, could you ever imagine this day and age? There's million dollar entries. I mean, is that even like? Because that was first prize. Now, I mean, is that is that even like? What what do you think about this now?
1: I, I can't. And Mike Sexton and I would say, can you believe what's happening? Lance, I can't believe the game. Howard just exploded. You know, it's so much fun. And he goes, I can't believe the money that's out there. But uh, we never – we thought we were going to do maybe one or two shows on the World Poker Tour, and then it would go away. We never knew it was going to be this kind of hit. But Steve Lipscomb, he said, let's show the cards, and they will, they will come. And he was right. So once you saw the cards and see the genius behind poker and the guts players have to have, that's when it hooked people. And anybody – play. That's the beauty of it. No one's shut out. We love that. And so if you can just ride it out and uh, have a few bucks to play, you're in good shape.
0: Yeah, genius. That was the word. It was literally tip of my tongue. I would love to have him on as well because uh, to to see that to take that chance gets on the Travel Channel. I mean, just looking back at some of those the footage and you know even now the graphics and how it's so evolved, right? Like the all the stuff they show and the stats. Because some of those old footage like didn't really know like how many blinds players had or what the chip levels were. It just it was but like it was so iconic and the like Mike's phrases and you guys together. It's so genuine and that must have been like the ultimate high, right? To like see 03, 04. When did you know? It was- wasn't gonna just be two, three, four, five. Like, did you know that you know, after season one, we're you like, wow, this is gonna be me for the next 20 years, or at least did you, or was it just still like we well, weren't sure? When did you know it was a staple and this was here to stay?
1: We knew it was a huge hit because when it first came out, even the next day or the second day, we were up in Reno when it first came out, and people were walking around going, oh, You guys the World Poker Tour, oh, my God, we, we love this show. And then we heard on radio shows and TV, people saying, wow, hey, have you watched this World Poker Tour? So there was a buzz about it. Still thought it might have faded away in four or five years. Who knew? And to be on, we're going into season 20 starting in January. It's wow. a phenomenon, and uh, I'm, I'm yeah. happy to it.
0: I got to ask you because I know. So Mike, actually, you know, he now it's called the Sexton the Cup, which is amazing, you know, to, to honor him. And, and I actually was there in Montreal, calling on the, the live stream, not the because for the the Montreal he won, which is just amazing that he actually won the WPT because he didn't get to play much. And, and and you as well. Now are you able to as well? Because that's something. As you love poker, you go to all these amazing stops, you know, over the years. But a lot of times you can't actually play did that does that bother you do, do you are you? like itching like wow i'd love to hop in and whatever or or is it kind of like are you okay with that
1: okay so for the first eight years steve lipscomb our boss said i don't want you guys playing just commentate now we were playing mike and i mike would play in my game we were playing for big money in Beverly Hills all night long. And then we'd shoot the next day the World Poker Tour and this and that. But we were dying to play because we saw it was right there. We were in gotcha. a groove. And Steve said, no, you can't do it. It look like collusion, perhaps. It just won't look good. After eight years, eight or nine years, he took it all. He said, you know what, guys? Go ahead. Do whatever you want. Mike generated. Mike would play more than me. Mike played about eight tournaments a year. I, I only play one or two maybe just because I lost interest of grinding – And I'm not really a tournament player. I don't like the long – it's just a different game, as as you know. So I'm not into it as much, and I just kind of faded away. Now I just do the commentary and hosting and have fun with it. I'll play some cash games occasionally. But Mike loved it, and for Mike to score like that and win Montreal was phenomenal because people were ruling guys over 50 out. Oh, you can't play. You're a dinosaur, Sexton. You know, And his results for the amount of of tournaments he played were phenomenal. And he just – I said, how are you doing it, Mike? And he goes, well, I'll just adjust a little bit. He just adjusted, and when he when we were doing the commentating, he'd be watching those players and, and taking notes in, in his mind about how they play. So I think that helped him too.
0: I was, as I said, there is something about booth magic. Like during the World Series, I've done some stuff where I'm playing every day, and then I'm in the booth and watching. And you see some of the guys, and then you also it kind of keeps you fresher. There's some of the best players, you're like wow, what are they doing? Or this spot's different. Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. So it has to help some. And yeah, really, really, just unbelievable for him to do it and I think he had a big deficit heads up and the guy who was playing was really tough and it was such a battle so that was uh, to actually get the win you know it's just that the room you know I was in the, when it finished it was a 30 minute delay but I could hear I mean just you, that's, it's very rare you have an entire room or just like hundreds of people rooting for you that, that feel it want it and I mean it was just yeah that's got to be one of the best, best moments in poker history I think so really
1: special. You know what I have to also add is I played so much poker with Mike in the cash games and such and I never once, once I saw him getting aggravated over any bad beat, whatever berate a player. He said, I'm a professional. He goes, and uh, I will never knock a man's game, and I'll do it right. He had total class at the table. So uh, it was a beautiful thing that he, that he won it. And now, of course, we call our Champions Cup, the WPT Mike Sexton Champions Cup, in honor of him. And, uh, hey, this festival's been great, the WPT uh, Online Championship, which I know you know about.
0: Yes, it is. I got to say the World Poker Tour, Party Poker, it's an amazing collaboration. There's been crazy guarantees. They actually, yeah, there's a 5 million 5K uh, tournament going on. There's day 1A happened on the 29th. Day 1B was Sunday. And now there's still 1C. And you can get in, I think, as little as like $44 phase. I played a 109 phase into the 530 satellite got in the 5k now i'm on day two on the 13th of september so uh if you guys are watching and you want to get in there's we're giving away a ticket as a matter of fact before i forget let me just say a lot of people joining in right now so i just want to show you guys uh if you do want to join you can ask a ticket we will give away at the end a ticket maybe two i'm feeling kind of spicy today that we might have to give two because you know vince wbt it just all seems right so ask your questions we're gonna spend some time and you will have a shot at winning we're gonna give two i just feel like two is the right number today so we're gonna give two of those away. A lot of great questions. We'll spend some time on that. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, there's just great action online. There's 1Ks, 500s, 200s, 100s, minis. So any any price point. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about poker is that there are entry levels for people. Whether it's tournaments, cash, free rolls, you can kind of get in and get going at at any at any stake. So it is. Uh, it's a, it's a great game. And I think you know we will say it's a big part of our lives. And and we've met a lot of great people and great relationships come. I think directly or indirectly from poker. So, um, yeah, Vince, uh, I guess I gotta ask you about tennis, man. So how did you get into tennis? You're like a childhood star. You're, you're on TV. You're in LA. It's gotta be kind of crazy, right? Your friends and people, you're, you're on TV. It's back in the day. There's no, no cell phones. There's no like Instagram technology, but you're a star. You're in LA. And how did you decide, all right, I'm going to go for tennis, man. It seems like a weird sort of thing to juggle both and be to do both. Yeah. Well, that's,
1: uh, I'm self-taught. My brother and I, self-taught. My parents like tennis, so they would go to Poinsettia Park in Hollywood and play all day, and they would drag us along with them. So we'd be dragged along, and, and we say, uh, goes, go get a court, go get a court. So as kids, you know, you get a court. And uh, we started playing tennis that way. I was 11 years old, 13. And then one day, my father said, the junior tennis tournament, it's very good in Hollywood. Would you want to play? I said, yes, play the junior tennis tournament I got hooked. My brother got hooked. He's two years older. I started playing junior tennis. I got ranked when I was like in the 14s, but number 50 in Southern Cal. Not very good. I was always a stumble bum. I was pretty good, but not very good. I got beat by all the best juniors in the world. But when I became 16, I was a little bit better. I got ranked maybe 20 in Southern Cal. Not the nation. So you have no chance of making it as the pros. In fact, I took one tennis lesson. My father said, maybe you'd like a tennis lesson. I said, yes, I'd love that. Because I would just watch players like Laver and, and try to emulate some of their strokes, and Bjorn Borg, that's how I became, that was my teaching. But he said, we took one tennis lesson from this guy, Steve, and we hit with them, my brother and I, and after the lesson's over, my father says, well, what do you think? You, you, how good do you think they could be? The guy goes, well, if they play all the time, they might, might become good club players. So that was the kind of encouragement I got. Never got a compliment on tennis other kids, it was a snobbery intense, a pecking order. They wouldn't play with you if you weren't good enough. So it was bad, but it also gave me great inspiration to someday I want to beat them. So they beat me, beat me, beat me, and then finally I turned it around and beat some of them. Long story short, 18, 19 years old, I'm not expected to do much, but I, I did come through and for some reason I started lifting weights and working on my speed and figuring out how not to lose. How do I beat these guys? All my mind, because of it was like a revenge thing. I have to get back at this. I, I got to be great, and it turned around. It slowly turned around one summer, and I went from an ATP ranking of a thousand in the world with one point to number thirty-five in the world, and I got the ATP Rookie of the Year, beating out Ivan Lendl that year, and uh, and then I became twenty-six in the world, beating McEnroe twice, and had a big career. And I think it's all. I don't know. It's just supposed to be and. Uh, I look back and I go, how did that happen? But it it was an accomplishment. It goes to prove to you anything's possible. And I see young kids today doing any sport. I go, and they look like they want to do it. I say, you can do it. You, I, I did it when it was more impossible than anybody. And you can do things, anything, you know,
0: I, it's pretty amazing I mean that, that's what I want to understand is why I, so so you you actually I, I saw you were in Wimbledon you were in the, I think the French Open doubles you were playing and you were beating I mean what was it like to beat McEnroe how old was he when you beat him because I mean that's pretty insane I mean it's one of the biggest names in tennis I
1: was like 24 and I was 24 and uh, I beat him in the biggest indoor tournament in the world called the Seiko in Japan in the semifinals he, he only lost I think five matches that whole year and I beat him seven five six three and uh, that's when I went on to, you know, I beat him the next year in Tokyo as well. Um, I think a big part of it, too, is when you start getting good and you get that confidence, and all of a sudden you start thinking, I am the best. I can beat people. And you have to have that. But it comes from winning and winning smaller matches and getting that confidence. And then eventually, if you're thinking right, you can beat. Everybody is beatable in this world in any sport or any game, I believe. If you put mm-hmm. your mind
0: that's it's man, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that's actually true. But it, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a believer in close to that. Uh, you know, obviously there are some limits and limitations at times, but almost anything is possible, and, and that's crazy. Then at Wimbledon, did you play center court or first court, or did you have any big stuff there? Because I, I just went to Wimbledon center court. That was incredible to see the final. Uh, I was just there this summer, and I mean, that was that was quite an experience. Beautiful facilities. I had no idea it was like that. It was really special there.
1: No, it's a great place. And yeah, I played stadium court and. Uh third round uh, in 86 I wound up losing but I had a, a few bad draws there I got beat pretty bad uh, over at Wimbledon but then there was the US Open and the French we got to the quarters of the French in doubles and uh, I had majors I didn't do as well US Open third round twice and got beat by Macaro had tough draws in the third round uh, at the US Open Flushing Meadows but overall my best was the uh, the Seiko and then I, I think I beat over 25 top 10 players in the world over those periods wow. so uh I uh, have yeah. career, but it was a tough life. It's a tough life. And uh, you've got to put everything into it. And um, I'm actually happier now that I'm off the circuit and doing my thing. It's a lot easier. It, it,
0: tennis seems like one of those things, though, that people, you know, some sports you train, you do your whole life and, and stuff. But tennis, like I, I know some people that picked up in their 50s or 40s, 60s, and, and then they, they, they win some tournaments or they get some training and stuff. So it seems like a sport where you can actually hop in almost anywhere, sort of like poker. Is, is, that, is that fair to say in tennis as well?
1: I think that's fair to say. You know, um, that's the great thing about poker too. You can play at any age, and it's social. It's a great thing. But I think tennis. No, you can When you get fifty and you start hurting a little bit, you're going to pull it back. Now, this game of pickleball.
0: I, I play paddle tennis. I was the Me too. Football. I love paddle tennis. I'm I'm pickleball is getting huge, though. It's the fastest growing sport in America.
1: We're going to build on our property. We're going to build a pickleball court because I said, you um, know, what? my wife wants to play. We can have people over. So I'm jumping
0: on that bandwagon. Have you played? That it? Is a, That's a great. I love pickleball and paddle tennis. Would love to uh, play some time. How, how, uh, it's it's a little less probably of a, of a, a uh, skill different, like in tennis, you know, it's I, I attribute that to like playing ten or twenty blind turbos than like uh, deep stacked, right? Like if me and you played tennis, probably gonna crush me, but maybe in pickle or paddle, you know, it's a little different. It's also tighter and less movement, so it's probably a little bit easier. The skill gap, I would imagine. I don't know if that's true, but it seems that way, right? Like that's I
1: don't. The thing about tennis, it's the fairest sport there is. There might be one lucky break or two per match. The better player will win ninety nine percent of the time. And it's so pure, and that's beautiful. And also they have the ATP computer, so that if you are good enough, you will get there. So there's no popularity contest, there's no snobbery, and that's, that's the purity of of tennis, and that's what I loved about it. But poker, it's not that way. Yes, if you have that edge, you will beat certain players, but still, a lot of things can go wrong in poker. You could run out of money. You could have a bad night. You could tilt. I mean, there's so many variables, right? So there's more luck, perhaps... In the long run, in poker, I would think right.
0: And and how was Mac in defeat? Like guys like that, like for the first time, were you already kind of established, or when you beat him, did he shake your hands like, "Wow, nice playing, Or was he kind of like, just like, you know, he's like, is he kind of like, done uh, whatever? I got unlucky. I was tired, you know, kind of attitude, and just walked off. Johnny
1: Mac was insane, the biggest competitor ever. Him and Connors, these guys wouldn't give you spit, and for good reason. They worked their ways up there. They had that. They were the biggest in the game, and if you came on the court with them, they thought they were going to beat you. And if you had a tight match with them, they would do anything to maybe distract you. All games were shit. That's cool. And Johnny Mac tried to do that. And uh, listen, I played him five times. I beat him twice. I lost him three times. So other times he crushed me, and he's just better. But there were some tight matches there, and he pulled all his stuff. But. Before the match, I said, I'm not going to let one thing get to me. When he starts doing his thing with the umpire, I said, I'm going to be so strong mentally. I'm going to walk off. I'm going to be like a Zen thing. And that's why I got through that and didn't let him bother me. Nice. Now, back today is great. He's a good guy. We're friends. He's doing a great job with commentary. So it takes 40 years, but
0: after, <laughs> after a while, you get over it. You guys are you guys are good now. That's cool. Well, if you could choose winning a tennis tournament to a poker tournament, uh, what would you What would you think is more f- fulfilling? A ma- like, call a major, like a World Poker. Tour. I mean, don't know. Say a different series because World Poker Tour is the you know the pinnacle. Let's like like a say say you win a five hundred k or a million dollar. Just say a million dollars. You get to win a million dollar tournament in tennis or poker. What do you choose?
1: I would have to say both would be wonderful, but it like uh, I think the tennis is more rewarding because you know you earned it. You are the best that week. No one gave. There's no luck involved. And you take it home and you're at the superiority of your athleticism. So I think I'd choose that even over a poker tournament.
0: Okay, that's honest. I like that. And uh, what about being a, being known as the, okay, you could be known as one of the best actors of all time, best poker players or best tennis players of all time. And you've kind of done a little everything. You're sort of in everyone. Where where are you going with that? You can have I got to put you on the hot seat. You can have the acting. Who cares about that?
1: There's much better actors than me, obviously. Um, and I respect great, great actors like Nicholson. You know, I mean, it's just brilliant. But it's too subjective. So you could be a great actor that doesn't even work. So that's right. throughout the window. Uh, it, it would be, look, to make it as a great poker player like you have and like uh, Helmy is doing and, and Mike Sexton did and these guys, I give a lot of respect for them, especially because uh, when they get older, they're, you know, they're not giving that much respect. So I give a lot of respect for that too. But overall, uh, if you make it in tennis, you deserve it, and I think that's that proves the most.
0: My all opinion. right, fair enough. I just, I'm just trying to feel out your tennis love. It seems like you got the real love. You that's it. That's that's close to your heart. That's that's all fair. I got to ask you how. Did you get selected for the World Poker Tour? Because you, so you have background, you know people. You're doing you're doing the high stakes game. Did you and Mike know each other before this? You, but like in 2003, when did you actually meet Mike?
1: I Sex? met Mike because I used to go from '88 on. I would go to the World Series at Pinions and play it. Okay, I money from this and that, and I met Mike in '90, and he was very nice. Uh, I introduced myself to Mike Sexton. He knew me because my father was an actor and all that. And then I had my game going, and I didn't see Mike for eight or nine years. And then my father used to do the World Series when they didn't show the cards, like in 96 and 97. No one watched, right? But my father, Dick Van Patten, would do that. And he couldn't do it in 98, so they said, would your son Vince like to do it? We know he's a poker player.
0: He was doing it on ESPN or for who? Yeah, ESPN. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, I didn't know that. I did the 98
1: one where Scotty Wynn won it, you know? Okay. And I was commentating there. No one was watching it. You know? But anyway... From that, in 2001, when World Poker Tour was being made, they had Mike Sexton. He was going to help get the money, but they didn't have the second guy. And I came to their mind, and I walked in there, and they said, oh, we've been looking for you, and blah, blah, blah. And there wasn't many people in the game that, that hosted or did commentary, and I did you know a little bit of both and had the acting thing going on. So uh, I was, the, uh, I guess, the perfect guy to do it with Mike, and Mike and I became best friends from that day on because we had so many things in common We don't just play poker high stakes. We play everything high stakes and love of life and very similar. So
0: we had a great time and so yeah okay so i get it you were skeptical so when you heard we're doing world poker tour mike's raising the money or helping and, and you're doing this thing and this project like you said you're like this could be one or two episodes this thing could just be a dud, because you had seen commentary and you just couldn't know how big the whole cards might be because it's hard to really know to how, how that could work or if they could even pull it off if it could be done you know in in real time done the right way there's logistics on how that's done and um, i mean look at some of the you know credit to the world poker tour and some of these other organizations that really keep security tight do it do a good job job because you see at stones and some of these other scandals were possible and other things, right? There is, there is, there is sort of ways of, uh, you know, that it could be compromised. So it's, it's, that, that's probably a big, big question as well. That was uh, on your mind. So uh, very cool. And then you guys, uh, so after you started the world poker tour and you were traveling what, what's some of your favorite stops over the years. Cause I know they're generally the same, but it rotates. And you know, the first ones were some cruises. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of these, these early on tours.
1: We did Well, aviation club in Paris, that has to be my favorite. I mean, we were going in Paris on the Champs Elysees, Aviation Club, where the side games were incredible, as you know, and they yep. played crazy games, and everybody was in every pot. So you get lucky that night, you won a fortune. It was right. great. Uh, so that would be my favorite. And then, of course, we started with Bogota, and then Hard Rock eventually. Uh, but I love LA, LAPC. I mean, so many great stops. We, for some reason, poker is in the big cities that are a lot of fun. So uh, it is. It's been
0: great that's yeah no there's there's definitely a lot and obviously covid times this last 18 months or so has been a bit bizarre and hopefully everything gets back to normal and you know I, even it's amazing that the record was set i it was in my backyard and i was happened to be there at the time and hopped in the 3500 wpt at the hard rock got like 2400 almost 2500 entries which is i think about 25 percent bigger than the previous record for maybe from the same venue in 2014 so how, how when you saw okay COVID's happening, stuff shut off. Uh, when, when it was turned back on, were you surprised by that type of turnout?
1: I had a real fear that maybe this we're going to shut down. Who knows? Uh, if this thing is bad enough, people may not want to go back in the casinos. And then we saw the plexi play and then playing behind that. And I said to myself, I'll never play poker with that. Six right. months later, I'm playing poker behind that. Six months later, they're taking that stuff off and I'm playing poker with them. It's so weird how the mind works. But we were. It shows you, you take the great game like poker away from people, and they want to come back strong. It is the greatest game in the world. It's social. You can win. It's the only gambling game you can really win at. You know, everybody right. else, will blow your money back. You will lose in blackjack and craps. And my father always told me that. He said, don't be a sucker. Don't play the pit games. You just you can't win. You poker, you can win. And that's what people love, and uh, it's coming back in a huge way.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's true. It's amazing. It's, it's again, the game translates to so many, so many areas of life, right? There's so many things that you can take skills dealing with luck, dealing with bad luck, have other people's success. It's sort of like golf. You, you can tell a lot about someone at a poker table, how they handle themselves, how they handle their wins, their losses, your success. Um, and, and what would you say is the biggest thing you've taken away just from your years in poker and, and ability to you know whether it's reading people or bankroll management or whatever? What, what, what for you is the, the biggest life lesson in poker?
1: Uh, by the way, yeah, you can tell a lot about a person at the poker table and the golf course. But I also noticed the other day at the baggage claim at the airport, you can tell a lot about a person. OK, so if you're in there getting in too tight and you're next to each other. And you're pushing. Okay, I know that I'm going to jot that down.
0: But anyway, uh, what's the question? Uh, <laughs> what's the biggest thing you've taken in, into life, your, into your everyday life that poker sort of over the years has, has uh, made you aware of or conscious of or maybe brought more awareness to in general?
1: Yeah, how to be a winner? Don't blow it. How to money manage? How to control your life so that you're not the sucker? Don't go for the big flash. The flash loses in the long run. You don't want to go around broke. You want to be comfortable. You want to be smart. You want to be a gentleman. You want to be have a little class. And you learn that about in the at the poker table, and you try to take that in life as well. Um, What else is there? Um, People. People. you do find out a lot about a person at the, at the poker table and if you want to, you know, be friends with them or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, there's so many lessons you can, you can
0: learn it is it's a great it's a great metaphor for life. I do want to hear I mean you've been in so many spots games history from from early times give me some uh some stories biggest pot won, lost like give me give me give me something I don't want to ask too much personal stuff I know you're playing with a lot of you know private people and such but give me uh give me something maybe maybe a, a big success or, or or memory of a bad beater or a gradient or one of each
1: I won't go through the numbers but uh they were big and they got bigger and bigger to the point where and like Someone once said, if you're not playing for bigger, the money that you can't afford, then it's not really the same kind of fun. And there's a lot of truth to that. You're going to play your best game when it hurts. I want it to hurt. And when I win, I want it to feel unbelievable. And so the game gets bigger and bigger. Uh, I do remember going on a streak. We used to play it twice a week. And I went on a streak of uh, maybe 10 games where I lost. And it was, usually I'd have about an 80% win, you know, Eight percent, huge in a, in a cash right? But I put about ten weeks losing, couldn't win. And I kept losing with Kings Wired, right? And hold them, just hold him, no limit. Kept losing, and eventually I went. I'm not going to play my Kings Wired anymore. I, I'm losing a fortune. I'm not. Gonna. And I called up my buddy, and he said, "What are you crazy?" He goes, "Just tighten up." He goes, "Just tighten up." So I listened. I was going to play one more week because I was losing so much. I got the Kings Wired the very next day. I got it four times. I want all the money back. I did practically that I had lost in those week, uh, on those previous days. So that's my King's Wired story. It turned out to be a horrible thing, but then it turned out fairly to be a good thing.
0: And and how do you think you deal with variance? Because this to me is one of the hardest things in poker, you know, as you mentioned, you're losing with big hands or, you know, especially tournament poker, which is even more extreme. You could be a great player and go on a bad run or not win a tournament or, you know, go on, a, you know, you could not catch 20, 30 tournaments in a row, which seems impossible, but just how it goes, right? It can happen. So how do you know if you're playing well or you know running well or just if you 're not running well how, how are you have you ever you know do you talk to people do you analyze hands what 's your way of sort of being real with yourself on the results because it 's tricky to not be results oriented in poker
1: it's mostly you really got to keep notes and you got to be honest with your notes and if you 're if you 're stuck at the end of the year and you you 're stuck twenty thousand you 're bad you 're no good go away, go find another hobby you find out through your notes how good you are that 's all' there's to it
0: I, okay. Yeah. No. I, I think that again, that's, that that is one thing that pros or people that are that have done this for a long time have an ability to kind of be to understand what's going on because it can be it can be very debilitating mentally. Right. You have to be strong. You have to know. And like you said, when you have great success, you don't want to go out, start buying cars, houses, playing huge games. You want to you want to try to stay down the center of the fairway and, and keep grounded. I think that's also very tricky. And when you're not doing well, not to get too down on yourself, which is uh, which is tricky as well. What What do you do for you? Do meditate? Do you have a, a mental coach? Is that just something and you've been able to develop over the years yourself. How, how do you have such mental kind of strength, fortitude, uh, this attitude?
1: Well, in the, in the poker, when I used to play a lot of poker, uh, um, I would just, uh, I would just, I don't know, get some good exercise during the day and just go at it. And then I'd be stuck after like 20 minutes i go, what the hell am I doing? I'm playing too fast. I'll take a cocktail, right? So then, uh, I don't know, there was no big system because I think if I have if the setup is right and you got the right people in the game, you know you're gonna you're gonna win in the long run if you're good if you're better than them that's all there's to it and you got to figure that out quick if you're in a game that's over your head and you don't like what's happening and you're losing you figure that out too and you walk away I don't walk away right. them, that's for sure.
0: Have you ever, was there, I mean, over the years, you know, again, poker, I feel like it's one of those things that's so great. There's so much positive things, but there's of course some negative connotations every now and again, you hear about a possible Senate situation or a home game or cheat this or that. Were you ever a part of some, some, um, you know, stuff where, over the years where you knew something bad was going on and kind of had distance yourself or surprise you by people you knew or stuff that you thought, wow, I can't believe this person or these group did this. Like it was you know, obviously no names, but was there, did, did you ever encounter some kind of un, unfortunate things in? poker, along oh, yeah. with the great things? Oh, yeah.
1: And my father taught me when I was 15, 16 years old. He goes, now, look, you are going to play poker? You're good. He goes, if you're going to play poker, you got to know how they can cheat you. And he showed me everything he knew because he was from New York, and people taught him because he was going to play in the backstage when he was doing Broadway plays. So I learned a lot, a lot. And I would always keep a careful eye out when I had my games and certain games. I caught at least two or three cheating rings infiltrating my games from the late 80s through 2000 at least two. I had to get every one of their codes, their verbal codes, their English codes, everything like that. And then I wound up telling my other, how do you get to get the money back? I found a team. How do you get your money back? So my father said, look, he goes, you're not going to get the money back. He goes, unless, just tell your friends what the codes are and you guys can all maybe get some money back. You'll hear what that? So I did that. I told my buddies, all seven or eight, and they went, oh my God, you've got to be kidding. This is great. I told them every verbal code. We play the game first night, and we're hearing these guys talk, and we know exactly what they have, right? It's fantastic, I'm winning, good money. I'm going, this is the greatest thing ever. He's winning, my buddy's winning, my other buddy's winning, but my one other stupid buddy is losing, right? And he's stuck a lot, and he's, he might be hearing it, but he doesn't care, and he's still calling. So finally, <laughs> around 12 o'clock at night, he loses the big pot, he goes broke, and he goes, he goes, okay, that's enough. He goes, he goes I'm stuck 10 grand, but I'm not gonna pay, because you guys are cheating! And Vinny knows all the codes. Wow. What did you just do? We could have gone on for 10 weeks and maybe got back some of our money. But this guy – and they went, no, we didn't. And it goes to show you how people are, even though we busted them. And I said, yeah, well, yes, come on, guys. It's true. Blah, blah, blah. Here are the – they denied it. And it became like a pissing war. It becomes ugly. And then we just got rid of them. But we never got the money back. We didn't get paid that night. So it's a good story. It's a true story. Yeah, but that's the only thing you can do. But I always keep my eyes out for games that seem too big and too could something could happen if I don't know them really well. You gotta just protect yourself. It's a long shot. Most games are very legit. Ninety nine percent are probably legit. Nothing's going on. But you gotta keep right, your
0: eyes out. right Jeff. Yeah. No, I've, I've same thing. I've, I've been surprised and crazy. You know, it's a, you gotta be alert. I've seen, I've had two situations in my career that were pretty significant where it was uh shocking and, and uh, have had, you know, it's been, it's a, it's a headache. So like you said, you want to be aware, you want to always be alert. It's also why it's good to not be drinking and, you know, pay attention and, and know that anytime there's money, right. Business, poker, whatever people like now it's nfts right crypto huge space huge opportunities a lot of lot of stuff going on everyone's a crypto expert everyone's selling nfts and it's like you gotta keep your head on a swivel because it's really you know it's a bit overwhelming right there's a lot going on there so you know whatever's hot people are there's there's gonna attract some some you know i don't i don't i don't i guess i don't know another way to say it, low life for people looking to angle and cheat you so you got to be got to got to be i got to be careful do you have any thoughts on crypto nft in general do you are you following this stuff i mean i, I know there's some they are just just new next subject or do you like it
1: i wish i was in my great partner tony dunce got in early as you probably know and he's always walking around going it's, good, it's doing good and about six months ago, I said, Tony, I'd like to get into this action. You're doing so well. He goes, I'll help you. He goes, you don't have to have the key. I'll set you all up. And I was this close to doing it. I didn't pull the trigger because he's in Vegas. And, and then it went up, way, way up from 20 to the 60, and then it's back down. Oh, yeah. I. I'd like to get it. I don't understand it. I'm at that age where you can't explain to me. I won't figure it out.
0: But how about you? You
1: must. Know. I like it.
0: I like it. I'm, I'm a big believer in it. I've, I'm working on a couple of projects as well as the crypto punks. Have you heard of these things? These yeah. icons. Of j- all right, we'll, we'll have to keep talking about it. It's actually my icon on Twitter. Um, if you take a look at my avatar, that's one of CryptoPunk. So just to give you like, I'll just, I don't, this is a rabbit hole. I'm just going to tell you real quickly to, to give you an idea how crazy this is. So this, this particular thing, now they're doing penguins and rugs and rocks. There's a $1.2 million Ethereum rock, which is a JPEG of a rock. There's a whole like thousand of these that are selling for, you know, 300 grand or more. Mike McDonald, I'm sure you know Timex, right? So he posted last week or two weeks ago on Twitter. And he said, I'll pay you right now. Anyone who wants you give, I'll pay you today. So you could bet Mike, I don't know the maximum, but let's just say 10 grand. Keep it simple, right? You could, Mike will give you $10,000 right now. Okay. He'll just hand you 10 grand. But if his rock, his picture of a rock, of an Ethereum you know JPEG is ever in the Louvre. He he tags at the Louvre. If it's ever put inside of the Louvre, he'll pay, you pay him ten to one. So he'll give you ten grand a day, but if it ever gets listed, he'll you pay him a hundred. That's how confidence. In the Louvre, Museum okay. in Paris. So he's, so that, but like, look, so my brother-in-law donated, uh, he gifted the first ever crypto punk, which I can show you guys right now. So look, this is, this is the avatar right there. Okay. This thing is one. So this, this, this little, this little picture here, this is one of 10,000. So in June of 2017, okay, hear me out. This is crazy. You're not going to believe this. June, 2017, they made this company called larva labs. They made 10,000 of these. They gave away 9,000. So, like, anyone could go there to the website. They did promotions, limited it per wallet. You could claim them, okay, for free. June 2017. They kept 1000 They gave away 9000 Today, guess what the minimum price of one of those is going for today? Today, the minimum you can even buy, the minimum floor. 390000 U.S. dollars for the minimum one swear to you so i'm in a fund people keep asking me because i put up i so we we have a uh, collection of these i'm in a fund i don't own this specifically but this is one of ours uh I, i'll show i'll pull it up and show you but yeah there's some that was a couple of them went for 7.5 million they're listed on Christie's auction sotheby's auction if you go to steph curry on you know steph curry right on yeah. um, best are you a basketball fan at all yeah uh hold on let me just show you so there's another one called um board eight yacht yacht club right it's another version of this so look so steph curry this is a, a digital jpeg avatar right here and this is like uh, sixty Ethereum is the minimum, so it's like two hundred and forty grand now is the minimum. It's another thousands of these. So like this, is, Vince, I want I came here to blow your mind, not just talk about your your stuff. This is what's going on. This ask Tony next time you see him about CryptoPunks and and Board 8 Yap Club. There's there's Ethereum rocks. I mean, I could find. Uh, I, I gotta find Timex. I'll show you the tweet too. But t- how crazy is that! So, you, if you, if you want to bet against Timex in the Louvre, he'll put a he'll, he says he's gonna put a picture of a rock inside the Louvre. You can get paid right now, and he'll do it later. That, it. That's what's happening. So, I'm a big believer. Yeah, I love
1: it. I love it. I think that where where do these people get the super rich now, it's, it's where do they get this money for? I mean, it's just a joke. It's not like the old days, 20, 30, 40 years ago, where a millionaire was a millionaire, and then there was a few billionaires. Now it's so far up there and so far down, it's pretty scary. So people have this funny money and. Going to politics for just a second, taxing the super 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 rich if they're going to actually get to pay it does seem like a right the right deal. Should be a sliding scale from the top down though. It shouldn't be. Well, if you're in the one percent, it's the same as that. Shouldn't be, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's you know part of it too is there's some new generational that's been made and also in Bitcoin. Just to give you like, there's nineteen. I think 21 million coins or something and, and probably like three, four 5 million are lost or one wallet alone. There's like never been touched. They don't know where it is. If you think about how many millionaires there are in the world, it's like you, you to have one like I have a feeling that in five, 10, 20 years from now, it'll be like, wow, you have one Bitcoin. Like if you have one Bitcoin, you're, it's like, wow, because like it could be two million a coin, one million a coin at some point. And again, you can fractionalize it. You want to buy one grand or one hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. You can get it. You can hold one hundred dollars in Bitcoin. You don't need one Bitcoin. But again, I think that if you look at the millionaires in the world and you think oh wow one bitcoin there's not enough like even close for everyone to have one so uh i don't know it's it's a weird that's a rabbit hole Vince let's 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 dive diverse away but that's my thoughts and uh yeah tony's definitely onto something um i want to uh i want to ask about this set, this bet because prop bets are so big in poker uh, i'm i'm sure you know it looks like you were i didn't know the exact story but you were telling me that this is uh, seven days to Vegas. So this was a based on a true story. Could you maybe fill me in what happened? What is this? You did this yourself at one point, and This is a movie about that.
1: Yeah, this this is a movie about uh, based on the truth of my home game that got bigger and bigger, and not all some of it's fictionalized. But one of the things over the years we did make a lot of crazy profits. I would make half court bets on, in basketball that give me six shots to make it. You know, for a thousand bucks, and you know, I finally got down to the point where they'd only give me four. <laughs> you know, those type of props, jumping over fences. I did a lot of different prop bets. I love that, to put myself up and do a prop. But one of the props was challenged to me. Can you walk from L.A.? This is back in the mid-'90s, late-'90s, L.A. to Las Vegas in seven days. And I was playing a lot of tennis, and I was very fit back then, and I took the bet for half a million. That's a true story. I'm not going to say if I actually what happened with that because go see the movie and maybe you can see it. Some of it's fictionalized anyhow. But that spawned the idea. I wanted to make a film. I wanted to write about the story. But I didn't want it to be about, be about the big poker hand at the end or the World Series or the World Poker Tour. I wanted it to be about prop bets and the joy and the entertainment of gambling and poker. And prop bets are fun. And everybody gets together. We're like big kids. So that bet spawned the idea of let's, I'm going to make the movie. That's the piece that's going to be the center of the piece. Can he make that bet? And they all go to see whether he can make it or not. That's seven days to Vegas. But, yeah.
0: And I want, well, so I actually, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed that I haven't seen this, but I've been, I, I want, I'm going to watch it. I will watch it. And it looks very cool. And I love this kind of stuff. Was, uh, was that, was there calculations made? Was it an on the spur, like at the table, the bet came up and said it, or did like, how did you, did you have to see how many miles? And then like, how, how much actual, um, I guess preparation or understanding when into the better or was it just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do it and this is the time. Six days, eight days, one week. Yeah. It just
1: I just felt like in the late 90s, you know, over 20 years ago, you know, I was playing tennis all the time still, training hard and very, very fit. And I said, yeah, I can walk 40 miles a day for seven days. I'd bet that. So, no, I did not overthink it. I didn't analyze it too much. And uh, and it's, it's a great bet. I mean, so many variables. When do you go? Is it the summertime, which is 30 degrees hotter or this and that. And what are the rules? But that's all explained in the film. And the film is funny. And, uh, but well, most prop bets I'll make, obviously I really will, you know, dissect them and really think it through. And like, you know, usually the guy that's giving the prop out,
0: you know, proposing it
1: probably will win because he's got to figure it out better than you.
0: So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the rules I like to have in these is always bet on the man. You know, it's like, if you got a guy, a like guy had a very good friend of mine who's actually on the podcast later this week, just did a 14 day fast, with only water, you know or whatever. That was a that was a crazy. Tony Tony G had done this before and I know some others have done it, but you know these type of things when you're doing something kind of Uh, Exceptional or crazy Like you said If you are You know The the person who's proposing Or understands it Usually is going to have Sort of an edge And and realize it Or or just understand That it's possible Right And it sounds impossible Like the bike riding bets I know you probably heard Brian Rass Dan There's Some big bets Similar from LA to Vegas Actually it was from Vegas to LA Um, But same thing Like crazy Crazy stuff You know Like long odds as well Getting not Not even money But five to one Six to one Eight to one odds And that's another thing I don't like to be in the business Of laying long odds Right Like if you're going to bet one-to-one one or something to one we start laying eight ten to one and you get clipped it hurts right that's a, that's tough to, to to pay out a big a big uh, parlay so um, but very cool i i uh and you actually wrote and directed this or what was your role in this specifically
1: i, I wrote it and, and produced it i'm acting in it among uh, jennifer tilly and a whole bunch of good actors and fantastic people but uh i did not direct it but um produced it and it's out there and it's a fun movie because poker movies look, some are good, but the best kind are the kind that you walk away going, I, I want to be in that world. I, want to, I don't want to be chased away. And a lot of movies chase you away. And I go back to my favorite poker movie back in the day. It was called California Split. And it was about Elliot Gould and George Segal and then playing at Gardena. And it was just, it wasn't even about the poker. It was about the fun. And so that's what Seven wow. Days in Vegas is kind of like.
0: It's, it's called California Split?
1: Yeah, you can hardly get the film because back then they made a big feature film, but it's tough to get the DVD. But check it out, California Split.
0: If you can get it, watch it. It's a good one. California Robert Split. Altman. Robert Altman, great director, directed it. It's, it's quite menu uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna put that on the on the list um yeah i think uh well we are gonna we do need to take some questions i'm gonna show you this real quick just to give you a show you so this is again the crypto punks this is the ten thousand so there's ten thousand of these were made and again this is the minimum one you can get is 390 right now i just went down a little so the overall stats the current lowest price punk that's listed for sale out of ten thousand is 96 ethereum or 378 thousand us dollars and you can see that the total value of sales there's over 1.2 billion dollars in sales have happened on in this uh, explain here's the biggest one 7.57 million for this alien so there's some aliens some monkeys some apes and um yeah it's, vince it's a crazy time to be alive but these are these are the top selling ones ever uh
1: people have way too much money man that's all i can say that's just it's a, it's what do a
0: you bit do with that
1: thing what would you do with that
0: what what value can you you, you, well, it's a, it's similar to having Bitcoin. I mean, it's just an asset. You can have, uh, you can hold it, you can display it, you can use it for your avatars. I mean, it's going to be the new verification, right? It's like a, it's like it's just it's it's hard. It sounds silly saying out loud. I don't even really want. Don't make me be that guy for the poster boyfriend for NFT. It's it's uh it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a new thing, man. We'll we'll talk more about that later. But um, Cal- let's, California.
1: I this stuff got started getting big when marijuana was legalized. Okay, how about that? One?
0: That's. Listen, that's that's. I think that's true as well. Listen, we're we're in wild times, man. It's a, it's a it's a crazy time to be around right now. That's for sure. Let's uh, let's make sure we get some questions here. So I want to I want to shoot over, guys. Remind you that you do have a chance for the 109 phase ticket today. Also, a week tweet is out with the schedule. Got Darren Elias, man. I know you know Darren Elias. Give me a little give me a little tidbit on this guy. Four World Poker Tour titles, I think another second or third. I mean, the guy is he's dangerous. He's tough. What do you, what's your experience with doing his final tables? I love
1: Darren Elias. I like his attitude. I like his class. His guy is humble. He's there. What is he? 50, 60% he's cashing. So that's a superstar player. I mean, you can't deny that. He's just a great, great player.
0: Thing. yes uh yeah no i can't say enough good things about darren the guy's a constant professional for sure um okay so before we dive into questions last thing adam pliska uh you know Lingale martin work with tony dunce uh mike again you told us obviously you got known him forever and, and you guys had such a great career and calling together how, tell me a little bit about the world poker tour the family kind of atmosphere what it's like and, and how it's been working with everyone for for i mean almost literally two decades what give me a little bit of a background on what what, the, what it's like being there
1: well, Mike Sexton was, as everyone knows, a great guy, great fun, great host, great announcer, great player, uh, greatest gambler. I mean, I just want to tell you a little story about it. No one realizes because you think he has such class, which he does. But when you get on that first hole on the golf course, he goes, Vance, we're going to play as partners today. And like, oh, really? Who are we going to play? It doesn't matter. We're going to make a nice bet. We're going to win a lot of money. Okay, Mike, okay. And Mike had no game except for a short game. Pretty good. And I said, okay, well, what are we going to bet? He goes, you just keep your mouth shut. I'll do the gambling. And on that hole number one, he'd get out with his, like, southern charm, and he'd start saying, well, what are we going to bet today, Phil? You know? And, well, we, you know, we'll give you guys three. And he'd start going, well, that's a joke. What? Are you now You're a comic? You're a comic now? And he would negotiate the greatest thing that we could never lose. And Mike and I would win so many bets. He was the greatest negotiator gambler I'd ever seen. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. That was Mike just his gambling side of him, on the golf course. But we had fun at every stop. We were best buddies. We'd play cash games at every stop. Uh, We went all over the world. He was just a fun, fun guy. Now, Lynn Bill Martin, unbelievable. She is such a charming person and the most honest person and fun person as well. So we're honored and so happy to have her always around. She just had a baby.
0: Of- yes, congrats to her. She's been on the podcast as well and, and always radiant, very bubbly, and, and great to have uh, is for sure. She's she's awesome. So that's you got great. And Tony, he's been on the podcast. Uh, Adam Pliska's been on the podcast. Yeah, give me these guys. I mean, these are legendary, you know, all just such core, great people. So it is, a, it's really, you can tell they do a good job. World Poker Tour really screens and takes care of who they bring in they're very careful on that listen
1: um, we just got lucky adam leads the way adam plus Pliska, and he hires great people tony dunce is doing a phenomenal job he's a great person nice person honest person never looking to be in the in the uh, spotlight love that about him he's a really a real person and he's in the spotlight because he's such a smart poker player very articulate and a fun guy to be around so he's he's great to work with.
0: for sure and and you you uh, and I, so I, I did the show with uh, World Poker Tour King of the Club with Maria Ho. We did some filming in the studio. I think the same one you guys use in LA. Could you explain to people how the filming works? Because you're not you're not always like on the stops per se. And, and that, did that change at some point? You're doing some green screen or, or studio uh, watching. Could you could you sort of explain how that works and then what time how, when are you there and when are you in the studio?
1: Well, it's been different, but last year and a half because of COVID. We've been doing some tournaments, but we haven't been there because they say, hey, it's too dangerous to be there. But usually before that, and what we plan to do right after this, is get back to the studio where we're shooting it, to the casino, to Esports Arena, set it up and be there. Because there was one season back in season 9 or 10, and Lipscomb said, you know what? We're not going to travel, you guys. No one's going to notice. We don't care. You You guys don't have to be there. And that year, we said fine. We did it by green screen in L.A., But it wasn't the same. Uh, I think the players like it that were there, that were enthusiastic, that Mike's playing, that I'm playing maybe, that were hanging out, were there at the final. That's a big thing. So we changed that. We said, listen, we've got to be back there. It's an important thing. And so we've been back there ever since. I think that's important. But you film the show, and then they edit it together. And then they, they put it on. It usually comes out three or four months
0: later, you know. For sure. Okay, well listen, I know you're I know you're very tight on time. So let's try to get a couple questions from everyone here, and then we'll give away the one on ticket. And then I know you got a jam. Just tell me when one more, we'll do a few, and then I know you and then you gotta buzz out of here. Uh, so let's let's take a couple right here again. 109 ticket phase. You could do it. Get into the 5k, 109 to the 530 to the five K 50 mega satellite, 530 on Sunday and party, but you must play a phase to get through. You can't just direct buy in at 530. Um, so let's let's Are we good for a few or do you have to go like perfect? Um, Okay. Do you think this global pandemic is going to change poker long-term or short-term short-term? Will the increase in online bracelet ring events stay? Uh, And just giving you some, some compliments here from Craig Leonard thoughts on how this is going to impact poker going forward. I
1: think it's proven that it's only going to help poker because it makes people say, Hey, I had to stay away from poker for a while. Get me back out there. So I think we're raring to go. I think we, from the World Poker Tour and probably World Series and all the events that go on, we almost lost this great game. Let's get eager. Let's figure out how to even be better. And that's what we're trying to do on the World Poker Tour. So when we get back out there, we want to give more to the players. We want to figure out how to run the best world tour
0: in the world. So
1: I think it's only going to get better.
0: Yeah. I agree. We got, we got Adrian here, who I've seen a few people mention this in the live chat, saying that you you look like the guy from Cobra Kai, uh, the show. Have you seen that, that show? Yeah,
1: that's the Karate Kid was back in the day and we were his name is Billy Zapka and we were confused then. He was an actor that did the karate kid. People they would confuse me with him and and him with me. And so very common,
0: yes. And that's funny. I actually that show I I, uh someone's watching and told me about it and I started watching, but it was actually a pretty, pretty good show. I I don't really watch T V at all, but I did did bang some of those episodes uh through. So that's that's interesting. Um favorite WPT moment? I like this question.
1: Uh, when Helmuth broke down season one, when he couldn't believe, <laughs> I forget, how we outdrew him and he went to the ground and went, oh no, and he went to the ground and literally was down for 20 seconds, like crying, Wow, wow, that was great, that was a great moment. And of course, Mike Sexton winning, which you were there doing the stream and, uh, in Montreal when he won his championship, he was so proud and, uh, kind of overdue and it made him validated for sure. Um, Those are great moments. Doyle Brunson winning back in season two or three was exciting because we loved Doyle so much and, and he did so well. But some it,
0: great moments. Over the uh, year. Two, two things on that. The one, I, the thing that stands out to me, the craziest was uh, boosted Jay. Remember, Justin Smith tore his ACL live at the final table. I mean, that is just like that has got to be. I mean, that's incredible, right? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I think
1: I that was crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was that was a moment. I think Mattisaw was there, and he was jumping around, and and then it was on the crutches, and it would have been better if he if he had actually finished it off. But I think he went out right after a third or something. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty nuts. Also, Mike, uh, I had dinner at this place in Montreal with Mike, and I forget the name, Moises or Mo- something. It was where the, the owner, the they what the guy won the restaurant playing poker. Do you know that story in Montreal? Have you Been there? Yeah, yeah,
1: many I think times. It, I think
0: Moises but I'm not sure of the name but that's that's pretty you know that's the kind of stuff man I who can imagine what's really been won and lost both ships other things in different countries culturally what might happen you know there's 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 some serious money and powers exchanged hands over over poker over the years. Um, who do you think is the poker goat? The word goat gets thrown around. There's a lot of big names in poker. I mean, uh, who's your poker around Mount Rushmore? I saw Poker News just put out their four the other day. Who, If you had to put five names...
1: You know what? I, first of all, I, uh, for all sports, I hate the word goat. Greatest of all time. Me too. I, I don't like it. That doesn't, that doesn't... I don't like it. The greatest player of all time. Sound good at the beginning. I, I'm nitpicking that. But I saw that about the, I wouldn't even begin to do it because I love these poker players so much. There's 20 that could be put on that. And so I don't want to pick and choose who's better. I think they're all great. So I backed out of that, but that's the truth. All
0: right. I, I think it's fair. I, I don't like, I do not, I do not like that term either. People toss it around, this and that it just sounds funny. And it's kind of like, all right, you know, there's so many different people and times and generations for, for any sport. Um, uh t- yeah, I guess. Well, tell me about your favorite poker run. I know you don't play much live. Is there, is there any, you know, you, ha- you do have some, you played a bit. You're, here's some scores over here. You don't play a ton. Wh- which place have you enjoyed playing the most uh, for actual poker? Just take away the city or whatever, the actual card room experience and, and fun you had playing. Well,
1: I, I, in the world series, I finished the 400th or something. I picked up 50,000, something like that. And I had a ton of chips left and I played a stupid hand. I was, Filled up, but I I played a stupid hand, so I got knocked. I could have grinded away easily to top hundred that that year. So I, I'm kicking myself a play there. And then I played a few tournaments on the World Poker Tour, I think 2015, and back to back I cashed pretty good. I think I cashed 22nd and then 14th. I got knocked out by Darren Elias, who went on to win. Did he win it? I, figured, I think he might have won it. But I played stupid there too. Tournaments, I'm not in love with because I try to get all the chips too early. You know, I don't have the patience. Or it's poker. If I get the chips, I'm going to play differently. I'm going to pace myself in a cash game. So it's a different style, and I'm much better in a high-stakes cash game. But overall, um, I like playing. Um, I like playing at the Hard Rock um, uh, cash games. I like playing. I used to love playing in Paris at the Aviation Club because they play crazy games in big, big, big action. And um, you name it. I like playing with interesting players and um, a mix of players that I know and some that I don't know.
0: And, and do you, when, when you go do play a tournament like that, when you're at a stop, do you like to start the first hand or do you do the Helmuth kind of three, four hours later, have some tennis and work out, or are you in there enjoying no. from day one? Throwing no, some hands
1: I, do, on. I, do, I do take a little time to come in and maybe a couple hours because I'm bad Shorthand I'm going to be bad I'm going to be too impatient I need to relax And go long And if you're in there early You better be that kind of player You don't want to get too aggressive So I found it
0: Backfired for me Getting in there too eager all right, and let me get one or two more. No, no, I know you're not going to quit me, so I got to just release you because I know you got to go. We got some great questions that I will do a few more. And again, just tell me one more. Just say that, and that'll be my cue. Or also, I'll, I'll go for another five, ten minutes. My dad has some questions for you. He says you've done a lot in your career with success all over the place. Did you go to college, or did you just jump into life?
1: Jumped into life. Um, I did not go to college. I barely got through high school. My parents never said do homework. I just barely got through. I was a kid actor, so I was making money. Uh, My parents, my father dropped out in the eighth grade, was very successful in life. He learned from street smarts. My mother got through high school, so they never had that. You've got to go to college and do that thing, so I didn't. I was lucky in acting. Not lucky, but I, I got... And then in tennis, I worked my ass off. One thing my father always told me, if you're going to do something, put everything into it, you know? And that's what I did in tennis, so I succeeded at a high level in tennis. So... Later on, um, much well, um, more, I was reading a lot, read a lot more, educate myself a lot more in many, many areas. Whatever I do in life, I like to read a lot about it, and that's how I become good at it. Tennis, I actually had to read about it. Poker, I had to read about it, study it, acting even, and, and now writing. And uh, anything I do, I like to read and educate myself, so I improve.
0: I've gotten this question a few times. Nadal fed or Federer uh, getting this question. It seems to be a great debate going right now. Right? They each have 20 majors, I believe. So uh, what's uh, who do you got there? And Djokovic. And Djokovic. And Djokovic, all 20, right? Which is crazy. All
1: 20, and now Djokovic can get the Grand Slam. These guys are awesome. I mean, the tennis today that you're watching is incredible. However, it is helped by the strings and the equipment. So they're playing at a higher level. Um, but not to say that 20 years before... We could have been just as good with Agassi and Samples, and before that, Gordon and Connors and McEnroe. So it's all relative. They're playing amazing. I love Nadal. He's my favorite player. I just like everything about his game, his class. Love Federer, too. Djokovic, I like. He's terrific. Not rooting for him quite as much, but the tennis today is phenomenal. These guys deserve every penny they get. They devote themselves, so uh, it's pretty exciting
0: yeah it's uh it definitely it definitely is All right let's come we, we answered a bunch we're gonna do the 2109 phase ticket giveaways and my dad again yes he he, he's basically uh let's see what oh he wants to know about your workout routine you have you uh you've traveled a poker tour and spent a lot of time sitting with your commentary. Like, how do you stay physically fit and avoid back problems any any tips for sitting a lot or, or being on the road and, and getting workouts in and staying healthy
1: i am a, a fitness fanatic uh, i love fitness um and so I'm, I'm always working on I have to stretch a lot. I'm very stiff from the tennis, and I've had back injuries all my life. So I figure out every way to get it better, Just keep moving so I can play some sports. I want to play my paddle tennis. I want to play tennis. So I try to figure out everything in my older age. And it's a lot of stretching, a lot of weights, um, a lot of cross-training. I do spin class. I do running. I do the tennis. I do, you know, everything combined. But it's not a chore for me. I love it. I love the feeling you get, the endorphins you get. Yes, I'm injured a lot, but I just work around it. That's what I like to do.
0: Yeah, I think you know that's one of the biggest things that I kind of noticed. And one of the things I love about the podcast, I got Adrian Mateos on tomorrow, one of the world's best, Darren Elias the next day. Some guys, like when I, when I chat and talk and, and things I kind of learn and see that, you know, again, it's just like basketball or swimming or tennis or anything, like the mental toughness, it's so huge, right? Because... The, the, what separates, you know, golf is a great example. Same thing. It's like, you, you talk about shooting hundred to a 90. Okay. You get down. If you, if you want to get good at golf, you could get down in the eighties, probably almost for sure. If you're somewhat athletic or even high seventies, but to get down to like, you know, from 76 to 74 or from 72 to, to be, you know, the tour, the difference, it's like, you have to be, uh methodical you have to be just you have to be so strong in every little detail and put that work in so i I think that that is uh you know hard work right like you said like the best of the best are really doing things that others aren't willing to do uh at some level and i I think that's um it seems like you have that sort of ability and that aspiration with what you do you said it you put your your whole heart into it whether it's writing acting tennis, poker, commentating, you know, you really put, put effort into it or, because you know, otherwise there's other people, people want the job. People want to do stuff. People want to be a streamer. They want to be a podcast. They want to be a professional. poker. They want to be this, but really, you know, you have to take the first step and, and just go for it. And I think a lot of people just aren't willing to do that.
1: I think so. it's also about a diet too. I mean, I have, I have to watch my diet. I love food more than anyone, you know, I'm like one of those foodies, they call them foodies and, but I work out. So I, deserve that food, that great restaurant, that great steakhouse. I work out really hard, and I sacrifice all these other things all day and all week and all month and, and do my workout so I can get that, so there's a reward at the end of the tip. So that's, that's my mentality is I'm sacrificing to get a great reward and
0: uh that's, that's, what I do. Yeah. that's awesome all right well let's choose this winner you tell me when we're going to pick two winners i got it all queued up ready to go here ben so you just you tell me when this is a nice little fancy giveaway tool we screen the bots we we, we make sure the criteria is met and and you tell me when we're going to pick two winners for the 109 phase on party poker wpt
1: oh well, this is exciting and great talking to you and uh and for this event so you tell, well, i just say stop. What do I say here?
0: You tell me whatever word you want. We can have a safe word, code word. You can tell me stop. You just tell me when and I'm going to do it. Okay. Uh, ready to go. Lucky person, stop now. Boom, there it is. Choose the winner. I am sure we got two winners today. Let's see who it is. And we got uh, Pitalouk and Marcelo Poker BR. That must mean Brazil. So I will message both of them. And then I am going to advance. I got two day twos on Party Poker myself. I'm in uh, Europe. I am here playing. So I got, I got a big sweat today myself. I'm going to be firing up, man. I'll send you a link. I would love you to come in and, and pop in. Say hello. We're going to be playing. And uh, I really do appreciate it, man. Party Poker still has got stuff going on this was a treat to have you i learned a lot and hope we get to get a beer maybe play some paddle tennis next time in la or pickleball any of the above maybe a little friendly wager at dinner or something and, and I'll, I'll I'll basically be treating you i'm sure you're a huge advantage but uh, it'll be fun and, and thank you so much for the time today
1: thank you you're great to talk to and good luck in the tournament and stay in touch all
0: See right guys you. thanks a lot vince that it was vince van patten the man the myth twenty. Two thousand three until two thousand twenty-one currently World Poker Tour season twenty coming up. He's been alongside Mike Sexton for so many years, but of course, Mike Sexton, you know, had had given up that to Tony Dunst, and Tony and now Mike's passed away. Rest in peace to Mike Sexton. Tony Dunst now alongside Vince Van Patten. A lot of love for the World Poker Tour. Again, Party Poker and the World Poker Tour are having events until September 14th. I am on two day twos today. I have two day twos next Monday as well for the one K and the Five K. Today is a two fifteen and a 5- 5:30 uh, knockout turn is very excited for those. One six max, one regular $1 million dollar guaranteed in the 5:30. So that'll be fun, guys. I hope you hang with me. I'm going to go offline, and the next 30 minutes will be live. So that's going to be cool. Vince really did appreciate that. I'm going to send a raid over to Matt Staples, and then we'll be clicking back live, guys. So that was amazing. Phil Locke, one of my very, very, very close friends. Love to have Phil on. That's definitely possible. Jennifer Tilly as well. And I see a lot of people in the chat, Twisted Gamers uh al grazinski any 77 appreciate you guys man really being staples for us then bernsey congrats on the hundred dollar two crazy tokens tic tac ufo in the house hurricane higgins one sleepy hippo ghost of m holding it down ghost we got a big day today brother um lot a lot of familiar faces guys thank you so much thanks for the comments thanks to those that entered in the giveaway. We'll have more giveaways. We've got the week giveaway. We're going to have a live now giveaway, and we're going to get ready to roll. So I will go ahead and send that over. Good, good, good stuff today. That was fun. That really was. I actually haven't really ever got to uh, hang out with, with Vince and, and talk to him. So we're going to hopefully link up soon, but uh, guys, guys, cheers what a treat thank you time to put on that delay time to win some big money big six figure prizes up top i'm 25 105 and the acr 500k as well so that'll be fun see you guys we'll be on in about 30 minutes so i hope you hope you guys hang out and uh i'll uh, i'll see you see you guys over there cheers thanks so much oh and adrian mateos and charles hook darren elias podcast this week Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got ten million dollars on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has four million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a six million dollar guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports: hundred percent payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit circusports.com for more info. Must be twenty-one or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. To this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.